Hello and welcome back to the Comic Lyra podcast, the podcast that does deep dives into the best of comic books, graphic novels, mangas, and penny dreadfuls. I'm your host, soon to be known as Comic Stan, and with me as always is my revered co-host, it's Jamie. Fucking take revered. Yeah, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. That's great. It literally... Revered? So what I do, like little peek, peek behind the curtain for anyone who's interested, which is, <laughs> might be no one, I look at what like the last five I did. Oh, what's like the biggest gap between like letters so i'm not doing like the a's and then the b's and then the c's and so i was like oh, there's a gap in between like p and q uh, or q and m wherever it was some i don't know the alphabet off by heart I, as we've established <laughs> i don't read books and it just happened going through the r's there's a lot of r's and i was like eh, respectable that's a bit of a stretch uh <laughs> <laughs> oh revered that's close enough isn't it i mean revered gets me one step closer to what i actually want for my life which is a reverend? No. <laughs> I'm going to start a cult. Apparently, I was just chatting with one of my friends from uni. And apparently, one day, I called him at 2am. <laughs> which is already a really bad start. I say, either great stories or horrible stories start that way. I called him at 2am. And he, like, I woke him up. And I must have just been like out drinking or something and still awake at 2am. Went, mate. We should start a cult. <laughs> he t- came back down the phone at me and he was like, no, Jamie, we should not start a cult. That's shenanigans. And I was like, oh, okay, well, just think about it when you get up again and then hug up on him. You know, it's funny you say that because I think that's exactly how Scientology started. It was L. Ron <laughs> Hobbard calling Tom Cruise. And he's like, mate, guess what? <laughs> mate, you're not going to believe this. I've got a brilliant idea. I a great idea. But no, I have no recollection of this conversation, but he just told me about it today. Uh, <laughs> like... 15 years later or something. But no, my actual trajectory for my life is that at some point, I just want to be able to lounge around, like, draped in white linen Hmm. and be fed grapes while I make art. So that's um, the Futurama robot. uh, Hedonbot. Yes. Yeah. That's hedonism. That's literally how I remember the um, <laughs> what hedonism means. Like hedon, hedon bot, the the robot that gets the fed grapes and is built into a chair or something. Yeah, just pure hedonism. Yeah, so you want to be hedonistic, as they say, but also make art. Okay, and presumably because you don't need, because because you're being fed the grapes, the art doesn't even have to actually be of a quality to sustain you a livelihood. It could no, just literally be anything. Yeah, I just make art. Yeah, it's the truest form of freedom. I'm mm. surprised. I'm surprised there's not more like you hear the thing about the starving artist, which I think is impossible these days. Yeah. Like you literally can't just be an artist all the time if it's not bringing money in because the economy's fucked, as you know. I mean, in this economy, exactly. In this economy, exactly. how could you do that? But. Like the idea of someone who's literally like full on homeless and like proper starving. It's like, I'm just literally making whatever I want because it doesn't matter because I don't recognize money anymore. Like that yeah. romantically seems like, what's, is that the the writer was, um, that did that? Is it Kerouac or someone? Jack Kerouac. Yeah. yeah. I'd be amazed that I remembered the surname. I'm impressed. I'm of, very impressed. Of surname of writers' surnames that I remember. It's not like Shakespeare, Dickens, and there's just like a big question mark under all the entries under Kerouac? it. Kerouac. So we, I studied Jack Kerouac when I was at uni, mm. and there's this there's this passage in Howl by Allen Ginsberg where he starts saying that everything's holy, and a bunch of the things that he says are holy are his friends. So it's like holy the Kerouac, holy the Rider. I forget which poets specific poets he names but there was a joke in our friendship group because we were all studying the beats together and i don't know if you know alan ginsburg but he has quite a distinctive voice i did see the film where he's played by daniel radcliffe 
Yeah, so Daniel Radcliffe doesn't really nail him. Um, think Woody Allen. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, I see what you mean. Um, and there was a running joke where one of our one of our friends would just look at me and go, "Holy the Caramac!" And it used to set me off. Maybe because I was nineteen and that shit is funny. And now I'm thirty; it's not actually that funny now that I say it. But bloody immature nineteen-year-olds <laughs> quoting beatnik writers to each other. We Get were, a job. We were a darling bunch. <laughs> I, I can imagine. Based on you, I can only imagine. <laughs> So what are we talking about today, Ryan? Well, we're going to talk about a big thing, but I want to mention one, two little things off the top. One is something we mentioned in a previous episode or future. Is Who knows what the order is? Is school comic literate episode where we spend half an hour not talking about the comic? No, because we're going to just briefly mention. Okay. I mean, one is, as I said, we've mentioned it previously in an episode that might not gain as many listeners. And I thought <laughs> like, it's important enough. I mean, this episode is going to get quite a few more listeners, I the reckon. The people are going to be here for this yes. one. Yes. And that news is DC recently announced at Comic-Con, which we did previously mention the Comic-Con Awards, but this news for some reason came out after. Yeah. Basically, they're making some animated movies. DC animated movies are great on the most part. Very worth watching. what are they making, right? So they're making an (laughs) adaptation of Crisis of Infinite Earths, which honestly... Took, right. the, took them long enough like it's, it's but what else are they making right they're also making an adaptation of a well-revered comic book <laughs> <laughs> which is da, 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 watchman by alan moore he's gonna be thrilled i cannot <laughs> wait for someone to lie down on the wire and take the bullet and ask him <laughs> hey alan what do you think of this adaptation of watchman they're, they're making <laughs> I'm so and, excited. Can can I, can I have your best Alan Moore in your in anticipation of what is going to what his response is going to be? I think his his response is going to be something along the lines of don't care. Oh, good. Okay. I haven't given him the swearing like we normally do because no. I, I think in interviews he doesn't really swear. That. We we've <laughs> we've assigned that to him. We've made him really sweary and also yeah. completely changed his accent. And it's because I think we're so limited in our scope and thinking that we can't imagine someone being grumpy or angry without swearing. Absolutely. So it's a bit of a stretch for us. We got to imagine like him. He doesn't swear. He might put like a curse on you or something or some kind of <laughs> magic spell. He puts a hex on you. Yes. You have to after uh, if you ever do interview Alan Moore, mm. bring some sage, and when you get in the Uber home, just make sure you burn some. Just Dude, in when case. you sit in your when you sit down on like your opposite chairs because you're filming it, and he's like, "Why is there a ring of salt around your chair?" And you're like, "Oh, nothing. It's just interview, you know, tradition, and don't worry about it." How I do this? Yeah. So uh, worth getting into because again, we we will keep an eager eye out for his response. Hopefully, any day now. Um, and one of the things I thought was just quirky enough to mention, uh, we recently did an episode, whether it's last one or one before, I don't know, but we recently did, uh, the series Mosley, which we got into. And if you listen to it, uh, you will know how we had a bit of a back and forth on the, the character motivations. There was some friction. A bit of friction, but that's what makes for a great episode that maybe not as many people listen to because they'll see the title and go, I don't know that. And you know, who knows? But. Our Trinidadian listeners won't yes. be there for that one. I mean, they, they might be the only ones. Like, who knows? But the the thing that I caught my attention was, I was just having a look at stuff. I think I was putting the episode together, you know, the episode description and everything. And I saw the writer. I can't remember the writer's name. And I'm not going to call him out because... That's we, unkind. Yeah, we didn't have the best... I didn't have the best reaction to his work. But I saw that he was credited as, you know, writers be like, famous from blah, or blah, like other things it credited him with a comic that I'm a big fan of. Apparently, he was a co-creator of a comic series called Chew. 
which is really, really good comic. Generally one of my favorites. Um, It's about a detective who is a food psychic. So when he eats something, he gets like these psychic flashes of everything to do with the thing he's eaten. And what happens is he starts solving murders by taking bites out of the victims. <laughs> There's an ethical question there. It's it's really great. And it's it's what's so great about it is it doesn't take itself seriously at the start. Like it really it's playfulistic detective. Work. But he doesn't he doesn't enjoy it. Like people make him do it. Because they find out he could do it. It's like you could solve murders. He's, He's like, a begrudging cannibalistic yeah. detective. That's even better. And and he doesn't swallow. That's a important distinction as well. <laughs> Does he spit? I'm pretty sure he has a spit bucket, <laughs> like a spittoon. wine, like a wine connoisseur. A spittoon. But so I saw he was related to that, and I thought that's interesting. And I saw him mentioned. I thought, oh my god, did he write my one of my favorite comics? And it turns out he's the artist on the comic. <laughs> hey, oh, that's interesting. And the art is really good in two. So now I can say I again don't want to name them, but if you look them up, my reading of my experience of two pieces of their work great art not so great character writing is is what i'm gonna say but i thought that was an interesting note that even if we don't enjoy the work of someone it doesn't mean we write them off completely it Mm. just means that particular one didn't work for whatever reason for us personally you you, there might be a lot of mosley fans out there who want to write in and tell us how wrong we are and we welcome it at comic lion is yes at (laughs) comic at gmail.com yeah well done you got it in there and we got all that done in 10 minutes so we can march straight on the cat's looking us weird. The cat is literally like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's her standard expression, yeah. mate. So we are doing another Star Wars tie-in it's comic. It's the Star Wars. And specifically, uh, in celebration of, it's a better way to phrase it, of uh, <laughs> the Ahsoka series coming out, we are doing Ahsoka's first comic appearance, which yeah. is in Star Wars, the Clone Wars comic uh, 2008, which was a tie-in to the Star Wars, Clone Wars uh, TV show. Fantastic TV show. Talking about Star Wars these days is fatiguing, isn't it? It's, there's, there's a lot so to go much. over. And luckily, we're just focusing on this one part. Yeah. Like, it's rare It's rare with a franchise. I think this is almost unique to Star Wars, where you're like, we're looking at this era of it. Yeah. Like, lots of lore-heavy franchises will have their own eras within the story. But for it to literally be like the, the originals, the prequels, and the sequels, is like it feels like completely different franchises almost. And this is the interesting thing about it, is that even though there's distinct areas of this stuff as it was created, there's no distinct... Like, the, the stuff that we're reading from 2008 now kind of slots in between the stuff that was being made in the early noughties. And so they're just kind of slotting stuff into the internal timeline over such a long period of time that you're like, right, this was made in 2008, but that doesn't tell me really anything about where it goes in the story. No. Like, you have to just sit and spend a bit of time working out... Right, which films are we in between or running concurrently with in this thing? Yeah. And we actually had a conversation off air about this, didn't we? Because I was like, dude, where are we? (laughs) One thing I will say is when the writing is good, like I, peak of how, spoiler of how I'm viewing it, uh, I think it's pretty good. And I think when a story is good and it's self-contained enough, 
you don't need to worry about where it is to enjoy it. Yeah. You can have a little curiosity and go, oh, I wonder where this actually fits in with the rest of them. But it doesn't hinder the story in any way. And I yeah. think that's that's a mark of a good uh, good any kind of story, especially a, a tie-in story. I suppose there's there's probably one thing that we should say up top, which is a trigger warning for slavery. Yes, I mean, this that is, is a, a heavy very, thing in it. This is going to be a very... Well, I mean, although I don't think that our discussion about the story is going to be that slavery heavy. Um, you know, modern slavery is a thing. Mm. And so if anybody's a little bit uncomfortable with um, discussions of slavery, um, you might not want to, you might just want to turn the volume down and let this one play out. Yes. And I think for this, I'm not going to go to the full length of putting it in the episode description. And I think the only reason, the only difference, and th- you might disagree, but the only, my thinking was, we, as you said, we're not going into the subject mm. of it so heavily. I'm uh, most my notes are just kind of how it tackles it as a subject, yeah. Without getting into the nitty gritty, um. But good, uh, good thing you mentioned it, obviously. And one thing we also need to mention is the access to this comic. Oh now that's, that's yeah, a this very, is a thing, isn't it? A very unique point that we've not had to do on this podcast yet, and hopefully not for a long time. You have again. to steal it. <laughs> well, so just to preface that, to put that into context. This comic was released by Dark Horse Studios, um, who at the time, Dark Horse Comics, sorry, at the time, they were the publishers of all Star Wars tie-ins. This was when Lucasfilm was still independently just Lucasfilm, and they commissioned uh, Dark Horse Comics to do all the comics for them. So after this came out, so years after, as a lot of people know, Disney purchased Lucasfilm. With that, because Disney also owned Marvel, (laughs) they said, well, we've got a comics book comic book company so we're gonna have them do all the all the star wars comics makes complete sense yeah, obviously keep all in-house. the only problem is they wanted marvel to be the only ones selling any star wars yeah. comics so what that meant was that essentially dark horse could no longer publish or sell the comics that they had created um now seeing this and see, like we i wanted to do the first appearance of ahsoka yeah this is the first appearance of ahsoka in the comics it not being available I thought my issue with stuff like this is I don't mind like, you know, rights and stuff like yeah. if like if they want to be the only ones who can charge for it or make money from it, that's you own the rights, that's how the system works, fine. But to not have access to not even give people access to some people, some writers and artists work yeah. that they, you know, might have poured themselves into to make good, which they have in this, in my opinion. I think that's the problem. That's where the, for me, the ethical issue comes in, why I think I don't think that anyone should be deprived of this work just because of, you know, intellectual property. And they could have just said, look, you can keep selling the comics and give us the money for them or we'll sell them. We'll yeah. have, we'll purchase we'll them buy from the rights, you. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll sell them if people enjoy them. But they just said, no, no, no one gets to read them now. Yeah, I know. It's wild, isn't it? So that being said, we have read the comic and we have we are reviewing it essentially. And all I will say is if you Google it, you might still find it somewhere. That's yeah, all that's as might exist somewhere on a dark corner of the internet. Yes, and that's all we are getting into. <laughs> so that being said, the bloody the bollocks out of the way. Uh what Never did you th- mind the bollocks? Yeah. What did you think of this Star Wars The Clone Wars 2008? I have mixed feelings. Overall, I would say I enjoyed it. Um, Yeah. We should also preface it by saying where we're coming from with this. This is very much a Clone Wars, the TV show, tie-in. 
Yeah, and you've seen a lot more of that than I have. True. And for me, it, not necessarily whether anyone's seen it or not, but if you liked, I, I liked The Clone Wars, and yeah. this being so close to it, I was like, this is more of what I like. And the art style was a direct interpretation of the animation style, wasn't it? Yeah, it definitely took the models. It, you you recognize that is the character from the cartoon, and it, that's the synergy of here's the comic book tie-in. What also helps is it was written, the scripting was by Henry Gilroy, who was apparently a lead writer on the Clone Wars. Oh, so this cool. is as close to a tie-in. This yeah. isn't a, hey, we're just going to make a comic as a cash grab because this is popular. This is literally like the writer of the TV show doing the stories that maybe didn't, this they is speculation, make, yeah. maybe didn't make it or whatever, but still with the same care and love that this TV show got. So I'm going to go right in on top top. We Should both I, noticed this. Should I also just say, pencils by Scott Hepburn, uh, inks Dan Parsons, colors Michael E. Wiggum, and lettering Michael Heisler. Cover arts by a lot of various people, but most notably the first cover was by, I've forgotten his name because I don't have it here. John Romita's Jr. <laughs> Do you know the guy, the cowboy hat, those, the big Star Wars? He's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. God, yeah. I should find... Uh, say what you're going to say, I'll, I'll find his name quickly. So the first thing up top, uh, no, I'm going to let you get that out because I don't want to be interrupted here. I've, okay. You know, we're, we're coming in hot on this one from different directions as we always do. Typing, typing, I, it's Ryan Google stuff time. I literally put <laughs> Star Wars cowboy hat guy <laughs> and it brought up one of the, the villains that wears a cowboy hat. I was like, <laughs> not him, the real one. But anyway, it's Dave Filoni. Dave, Dave Filoni, Filoni is like, he was like the showrunner and is now one of the big creative uh, heads of Star Wars going forward because yeah. he made some of the best characters, including Ahsoka. So coming in hot, there is some jank in that artwork, baby. There is a little bit. And we briefly mentioned this before recording. My, th I agreed with you immediately. Yeah. My verdict was just, it wasn't enough. The story was good enough that a little bit, of, it was a little bit of janky art and it wasn't, it didn't distract me. I also only noticed on my second read through. Yeah. So I noticed the first go around. Um, what I will say is most of the time it's fine, but sometimes when you see faces in profile, there is a, there is some jank and there's something really interesting happening with um, Anakin's chin. Anakin has about four different jawlines in this. Like sometimes he's An got an entire face. Yeah, you like sometimes he. Yeah, it's it's mostly Anakin that people couldn't draw for some reason. Mm. Like sometimes he has the big kind of comic dick chin. Like mm. it's, it, or, like do you, do you mean the the balls chin? Yeah, yeah, you, you know the one I mean. Scrotum like, chin. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Like it's kind of long and drawn out and kind of pulls towards the front a little bit. Yeah protruding um, yeah and and like obi-wan looks great obi-wan always looks great Ob you know i mean when you base the character off you mcgregor yeah yeah no exactly you've you've based the character off an impossibly handsome caledonian man yes um you know and then you interpret that and draw it up it's always gonna look great although who's the bloke who plays anakin hayden hayden christensen christensen yeah he's a good looking chap as well yeah very yeah but i think this character model in a lot of places looks a lot less like him because they've given him a new chin <laughs> so one thing that i did just have a thought now of is potentially the reason uh for the difference is the clone wars um cartoon was a like computer generated 3d yeah. kind of art so potentially the transfer of or the adaptation of that to 2d I like I don't know. I'm just saying maybe that might have been a uh, a factor potentially. Yeah, but, but sometimes it's on, and like, that's what I was about to say. Sometimes they get it right, but it, maybe it's angles. Like you only see certain angles in the. You can only make certain angles with that type of 3D imaging, whereas 
on the 2D, there's a certain angle you go, ooh, that's a bit difficult, actually. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to give out a benefit of the doubt because I enjoyed the comic. Yeah, and I and I and and we're not getting into the amazing Spider-Man territory where no. I found it like so egregious that I'm gonna shout about it for 45 minutes. It was normally, I think you'll agree, it was normally when a character was in the background. Yes. So they weren't like actively doing something. And it may be probably how I missed it on my first run, because I was just obviously going to whoever was speaking. And it was only on the second run I was kind of skimming a little more. And I was like, why does it look like what does it look like that in the background? <laughs> so maybe that's maybe maybe it was a bit of a rush job. And I always try and stress whenever we talk about the art nowadays. Mm. Uh, I'll always come back to hashtag how comics broke me. Apparently yeah. the artists were have been in the past and still today. Stretched. Quite well, a crunch, I would say, is the, yeah. the video game term I think applies here. I like the panel layouts, though. So the panel layout actually had an interesting take on that. <laughs> I thought one thing I noticed was that the there's so much story happening yeah. in, in just six issues. As I was kind of skimming, I read the story through and, and was just enjoying it and yeah. making my notes. And then that was a bit further from when we originally planned to record. And now we're recording it a slightly later. So I did a, a quick scan through now to yeah. refresh. And in going through, I thought a lot happens. Like every page has like several points of story almost. Where it's like, yeah, then, no, you're right. And then they did this and this person said this, which was a reveal. And then this person made this decision. And that's like all in one page. The story so, skips along so quickly, doesn't it? Exactly. So there's that moment where they, they kind of make a bit of a plan to... Infiltrate the Zygargian auction. Can you help me with the pronunciation? Do you have a pronunciation in your head for Zygargian? I did not. No, I just kind of scanned over it, just like the sci fi bollocks. Yes. Sci fi bollocks, Zygargian name. Yes. That's what we're going to go with. The Z's. The Z's, the Z yeah. people. <laughs> I don't know if there's any actual Z people. <laughs> we might we might not be aware, so sorry if there are. Yeah, sorry if we could just get cancelled, baby. Yes. Um, so they, they make this really careful plan to infiltrate their like base. And then they turn up and Anakin gets in a fight and a droid turns up that says, our queen wants to speak with you. And I was like, that's all a bit convenient, isn't it, chaps? It's very quick, yeah. yeah. And it, it's not to the point where I go, well, that's... It's not to the point where I go, oh, that's taking me out of it. Because it's for me, it's that when a comic is trying to get through it a little quicker. Yeah. So the events just happen a bit closer together. But that's all like film and TV. It's like, what are the odds that this person went into the office when they've just finished wrapping up with the previous person? You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, But... The reason I related that to page layout was because when I then looked at layout, I thought they are fitting a lot in. And mm. I think for me, when I'm just reading the story, as we, you know, I get sucked in the story. If it's good, I don't notice as much. Second read through, I found the layouts were very, very economical in how much they're fitting in. One of the things I liked was there was quite a few moments where there was a top third mm. across the page and then two kind of uh, vertical bars that went down and then a bottom third. So that was kind of the least busy page out because yeah. I know somewhere it was like two at the top and then like three in the middle, yeah. or even a fourth, and then like three at the bottom or two at the bottom. Um, so basically when I looked at it again, when I actually considered page out, I thought that's a lot in there and it, yeah. it's not aesthetically as pleasing as some other page layouts, which are a bit more like, you know, a bit easier on the eyes to look mm. at. But, but it wasn't through nothing. They were trying to fit in a they lot. They were cramming in a lot. And... In fairness, credit to whoever did um, a lot of the background art that they slotted those sometimes janky character models into. Either because the backgrounds were often in these really inconsistent panel shapes, weren't they? And the backgrounds looked great throughout. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I actually found this is, you know, and I, and I don't often have that relationship with Comic Picard, but sometimes I was looking at those backgrounds being like, oh, that's really good. Like mm. that's really pretty. And also, 
encapsulating an existing look of a yeah, franchise. Yeah, Just yeah, like, yeah. this is Star Wars. You recognize as soon as you, if you know Star Wars, you recognize as soon as you see it. Um, but specifically with the page layout as well, because they're fitting so much in, I think the alternative that I just thought of, it's better they didn't do characters with just speech bubble, speech bubble, speech bubble, like, you know, like back and forth one or the other, because they would have had to do that a lot to get in all the back and forth. Whereas instead, they separated them into separate squares and, and uh, blocks, I guess. Yeah. And then that reads a lot better than if it was just a back and forth dialogue. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, but it does... This is the thing with it. The story skips along at quite a pace, doesn't it? And speaking of the story, can you give us a quick blurb on what the story is about? Oh, God. Um, yeah, I can, yeah. So they're having a bit of a battle, some of Count Dooku's dudes, and then they turn up to Ashoka's home planet to find that there's no cunt there. Um, so they Yoda tells them that they have to go look for them, and they work out that they've been enslaved by the Zagargians. Yep. Um, I'd Anakin, say pretty much it. Anakin wants to go in all um. Oh, what's his guns name? blazing? Yeah, but what's his name? Akimbo. No, the the chap from Always Sunny. Oh, uh, Frank Reynolds. So I went in blasting. blasting. So I started blasting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is it. So Anakin, A- Anakin wants to start blasting, and um, Obi Wan's like, no, Padawan. Mm. Let's let's consider this. And Anakin's like, oh come on, I yeah, never yeah. get to blast. And Ashoka's like. And that there's a really fun moment where Ashoka's like, don't bring me into this, mm. which is quite fun. Um, and then, so they, they take a ship, they take a Zygargian ship, and then they get the invite to an auction, and then they go in blasting, pretty mm. much. Like, that's how it all goes down. And I think you touched on one of the first great things I noticed about this, speaking as a Clone Wars TV show fan, yeah. they got the relationships between the characters really, really well, I thought. They, they got the the hierarchy between the three main characters and how that informs their personalities so obi-wan calm level-headed very capable doesn't want to rush in anakin bit more of a hothead which becomes more of a story factor story plot point going forward but even in the beginning he's just like come on let's just go in and take him kind of thing and then ahsoka is level-headed like obi-wan but also respects the chain of command with yeah. Anakin being her master. So, I mean, master, that's an interesting one, like that yeah. termage in this story. But she well, respects that she can't, out, you know, she can't say anything to go against Anakin, but she's also not just jumping on board with what he's saying as well. So this is the thing. In the, in the original trail, we don't really see that much of the hierarchical structure of Jedi life because there are so few Jedi left. We see it, but... Mm. Not to the same degree that we do in the prequels. It's more of a mythical thing that happened yeah. before. It's really heavily codified in the prequels. Yeah. And one of the things that I feel like we don't really see much of in the prequels is a somebody who still has a master taking on a Padawan. Like, by the time that Anakin is really Obi-Wan's Padawan, um, what's his name? Qui-Gon is already dead. Yes. And here we have like this hothead who still needs a lot of input from his master having his own Padawan. And I just kind of, I read Anakin in this. And mm. from what I saw of Anakin in the Clone Wars, I look at it and go, do you lot not realize? <laughs> so, like you lot should have clocked that there was something funky about this kid and he was, was not going to bring balance to the fucking force. So that's actually an interesting, uh, interesting plot in what's so good about the Clone Wars. Right. So in the first episode... They say, by the way, here's Ahsoka, she's going to be your Padawan. 
and part of the plot point is Anakin's like, I'm not a master yet. Yeah. Why, like, why are you giving me a Padawan? Because that's not how you do things. And their thing is they're like, they can't, I, it's been ages since I've seen it. So I might be getting this wrong. Yeah. But as I remember, it's generally like, look, you're a big deal. Like you're not a master yet, but you are destined for big things. Everyone knows it. You, you know, they, like Qui-Gon kept going on about how you were the chosen one you're or whatever. You're going to put me on the Jedi Council, but not yeah. make me a master. It's unheard of. This is utter bullshit. <laughs> but- <laughs> uh, have you seen the thing? There's a thing. There's two of the hobbits talking. And they're saying that because Lord of the Rings is PG-13, they're like, technically they could have had one swear per movie. Mm. They could have done the same thing in the Star Wars trail. Yeah. Where would it go? <laughs> Fire, you fucks. <laughs> well, no, where would it have gone in Star Wars? Oh, uh, in the original trilogy or? Well, let, let's go prequels because that's kind of where we are. Okay, at the right. Moment. Yeah, true. true. Um, it would have been in the final fight. And it, so it would have been the final fight, Obi-Wan and Anakin, they're on the lava planet. Obi's just got the high ground and he's cut off all his limbs. And then Anakin's like, ah, I hate you, whatever. And then he takes the, you know, lightsaber. He's like, right, I'm going to fuck off now then. I think at that point, Anakin would have been like, you can't, or something like well, that. You fucking underestimate my power. It's over, Anakin. I have the high ground, you, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. You know when Anakin admits to killing the young ones? The younglings, yes. The younglings. It could be, I killed them killed them all and when they look at who he's like the fucking younglings <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of good options well this is the thing i mean i mean the guy that oh, i forget their names but it's the it was two it was mary it was the bloke who played mary and the bloke who played pippin yeah, yeah. really great actors really funny blokes as well yeah and one of them turned to the other one and said it's the gift that just keeps on giving and it's so true if you think about it like uh, where would you put the swears in the Star these, Wars trail? These kind of films where they have these big emotional points yeah, and it's not overly like kid friendly that's like the perfect level where it yeah. just makes it hilarious. Now before you interrupt me with, <laughs> with admittedly a great tangent um, they go to Anakin they say yeah we're giving you a Padawan he's like why? Yeah. He's like you're, you're, big, you're due for big things we feel it's important for you to gain this mentorship like the wisdom you gain from being a mentor he's i think be very important though, well the, the thing is because he was so ragtag and you know right like hothead rushing in and stuff they're like you're this isn't you're not just worried about yourself now you have someone following you mm. and they did like in the clone wars is a good story where he calms down a bit because he's like i'm influencing her as well mm. and i need to you know set not necessarily a good example but he's like i need to teach her to survive so a lot of like a great example in this story is when they're diffusing the bombs i know i knew what you knew you were gonna say and i really enjoyed that um because it could have been so simple it could have been like yeah let's deactivate the bombs Ooh, that was a tough one oh we've got them ah the day is saved whereas in this they add a little bit of character context Mm. where you've got Ahsoka worrying about how to do it. And Anakin's like, don't worry about it. Like, either you get it right or you get it wrong. Like, yeah. But you're going to do worse if you worry about it. So just just do it. Because that's his mentality. Don't that think about it. That wasn't the moment I was thinking of. There's a moment where Obi-Wan is almost kind of chastising Anakin for giving her bad advice. Mm. And he says, remember, everything you say, she hears louder. Yeah. And I thought that was so... Like, that's the perfect... For me, like the perfect description of their relationship as mentor and student, which is that Obi-Wan is now at the point where not only is he teaching him how to be a Jedi, but he's also having to teach him how to be a mentor. Mm. And a lot of them don't get that dual training. Like no. that, that, why it's so weird is 
is that when you become a master, you just get your Padawan, you just go from there and you just kind of have to remember how your Padawan taught you. This is very direct one-to-one, like I'm your master, you're her master. So I'm going to teach you how to teach her kind of thing. But it's a credit to the writing, I think, how good that there's so many points you can Mm. point to. Like, oh, and there's this part. With the bomb diffusing, what I liked as well is she, Ahsoka, after she gets the first one, she's a bit kind of like, oh, I don't know if that was um, luck, if that was skill or luck kind of thing. And, you know, how many more have we got? And Anakin, I thought, had such a great rebuttal, which kind of shows what kind of teacher he is, where he says, um, uh, plenty enough to see whether you're lucky or just good. Yeah, and like we'll find out. Yeah, and it, like <laughs> such a kind of laissez-faire, but that is how he treats all this stuff. Yeah. He's like, let's just get, let's just get to it. Don't, don't think about it. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed that it wasn't just a "ooh, there's bombs." Ah, they've saved the day. It's a how can we inject some some of the relationship and context into it? It's so strange because I don't think the original trail Darth Vader was ever, and and I know, and I know George Lucas maintains that. He wanted to tell that whole story chronologically, but he didn't have the tech to make the prequels the way he wanted to. And so he did the second half first. But when you look at Darth Vader, something happened in the production of that film. Maybe between the first really bad edit he did and the second edit that his wife did for him. Yeah. That made the film actually watchable. Where Darth Vader is so removed from Anakin that I cannot see... the Even if you take into account the like sheer fucking trauma that happened to Anakin... I cannot reconcile Vader's leadership style in like the Empire Strikes Back with Anakin teaching Ahso- Ashoka. So part of Clone Wars and a lot of the tie-in stuff... Is this where I just need to watch Clone Wars because it gets I would, you there? I would recommend it. It does a lot of heavy lifting to try and join those together. Right, okay. A key example is a bit here, which to me did actually feel a bit slotted in, a bit like wedged in, where the uh, slave queen is a slave a queen is yeah. dying and she's like he's like look i know you imprisoned me and stuff and I, I didn't really like you but you know sorry i couldn't be the man you wanted me to be yeah and she goes i th- oh you will you will be one day basically and i felt that was a really slotted in like darth vader foreshadowing but clone wars does a lot of heavy lifting and getting to that point the thing that i can really see from here is how this obi-wan got to the disney series obi-wan yeah. Uh, this Obi-Wan became the jaded, downtrodden Obi-Wan that we see there. And then also the incredibly wise Obi-Wan from the original trail. Yeah. Like this for me, like so per- is such a beautiful bridge between and I and I know this is happening concurrently with the second film. Uh off between the second and third films. Yeah, but the, but the, but this is just like a really great depiction of Obi-Wan kind of humoring Anakin and just kind of, you know, containing him mm. and just kind of trying to get him from A to B. And I, I, I almost feel like actually if Anakin hadn't had such an accommodating master, somebody would have lopped his head off a lot earlier and there would be no Vader anyway. Or lopped uh, Anakin's head off. Yeah, some somebody would have lopped Anakin's head off at some point. I mean, there there, there is a what if somewhere, which is really interesting. It's uh, if Qui Gon had lived. So the Star Wars did their own what if series, and it was one of them was if Qui Gon had lived and been Anakin's mentor. And unfortunately, I can't remember what happens in it. I just remember, I just remember thinking it was good. So yeah. to anyone who's interested, seek that out if you can. Yeah, uh, I am interested. That would yeah. be great. But that's again one of the big 
appeals of this franchise is there's so many little parts to inject more story in where it doesn't break the universe i think we've already talked about this on the podcast but you know the novelizations that they did in the 70s and the 80s yeah i read some of those as a teenager and really liked them Mm. i love that they've kind of made them not canon but injected them as myths yes and so this world legends yeah and so this world not only has this huge sprawling canonical story that goes over just a bunch of different fucking platforms it also has its own myths and legends that are fully fledged out stories i think Mm. that's dope i think that's so interesting yeah and again it just speaks to how vast and how long this has been going on for and stuff this is it isn't it and this is why clone wars i think it's it's not only is the quality of the writing so good but it just slots in this area where they were to fit so much in and it was literally over wars like they are the clone wars and so much happens in wars and i suppose Star Wars is endeared for so long and has been so consistently popular for so long that we've had time for the quality of the writing to ebb and flow. Oh, yes. So there's good shit and there's bad shit. And it's yeah. just all there in front of you, isn't it? And we're especially at a point now, and I we definitely mentioned this on the last Star Wars episode, but we're at a point now where there's so many different types of Star Wars. Yeah. You can watch, you, if you want your very Jedi heavy, there's the main stuff. If you want a bit more political, like, drama not political drama but like a bit more dark politics war kind of yeah. themes then you've got like andor and rogue one and stuff which and are my the favorites <laughs> uh the prequels yeah they're a bit all over the place tonally but yeah. then but they're their own thing and some yeah. people prefer that type as well well this is the thing i remember when i was at uni it was really trendy it was a really trendy opinion among like the lit students and the film students i was hanging about with and drinking with to just hate the prequels yeah. Whereas now I talk to like the kids that I work with, these like Gen Zers, and they're like, yeah, the new Star Wars movies are so much better than the old ones. I don't get it. And like, I feel like we, we were just old enough that our dads had shown us the prequels as kids, the sequel, like the, the original trail yeah. as kids. And so when the prequels came out, we kind of shared their disappointment. Whereas this new generation is looking at it just as a corpus and they're going, prequels are pretty good, mate. See, I, for me, I think. As a kid, seeing the prequels for the first time, I was just like, "Yeah, these are great." Because I was a kid, and so then only, and I heard about the hate, and I was, I remember being surprised, like, "Wow, why is that bad?" Like, people were kicking off about Jar Jar Binks. I was like, "I get that, he is annoying," but like the criticism of the story, I was a bit like, "That's a bit much." And then being older and going back to them, I was like, "Oh, I see the issues now." Still have a bit of nostalgia for them, but I definitely see a lot of the issues as well. But I will say. Clone Wars and pretty much anything done by Dave Filoni, he is like the redeemer of the prequels. Like he he takes that setting and that story and everything he's added to it. Not only is it great in itself, but it informs and makes the original pre of uh, the prequels better as well. Um, and that's that's why again I resonate so much with this comic. I enjoyed one thing that's similar to this is the as the uh, Clone Wars TV show are these isolated stories. Mm. So I mentioned this to you earlier that the off air that the sometimes we talk off air when but, we can't avoid it. Yeah, yeah when we <laughs> when we have to. But um, Clone Wars as a description of the entire series, like mm. the all the entire show, it starts off almost as like an anthology. Yeah. So it's a different story every couple of episodes, and it'll they'll normally span across like at least two or three episodes per story. But you'll jump from character to character, almost like Game of Thrones kind of style. So you yeah. do the Jedi's and some of the stormtroopers, and sometimes the Council and other other Jedi's and the main ones, and so on. And then as the series goes on, it becomes more and more focused. So there's less different stories, 
but there's more coherent because it, it leads up to episode three and all the shit that happens there so it focuses and narrows and then the last couple series of Clone Wars are some of the best Star Wars I've ever seen in my life. Don't you see the execution of Order 66 happen? Yes, from the, another angle. And that's the last... And there's like a guy who has to kill his friend and stuff, isn't there? So what it is, spoilers for Clone Wars, uh, You can still, but you can still hear this and still enjoy it. It's on Disney the, Plus, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. The last season, the last few episodes of the last season of Clone Wars are Ahsoka on a ship exclusively with stormtroopers when order 66 goes off savage oh no not exclusive it's her all the stormtroopers and ones that you know you get to know over the entire show so like characters you know and love who suddenly need to kill ahsoka there's also darth maul and he is one of the best characters in the clone wars like does he actually speak because he doesn't really speak he is an entire character yeah he's a whole ass character whole character does he still have the dumb double-ended lightsaber i can't remember i don't think he does not but the double lightsaber was cool i thought it was the cool. double lightsaber was there solely so he could fight obi-wan and qui-gon Jinn. it also look it was also there as like you know the trailer first came out it yeah, was the first it was I the suppose, it yeah. was the first variation of a lightsaber yeah it was. so it was it? that you're watching the trailer one half comes out and goes ooh, and then the other half goes yeah <laughs> <laughs> ooh, yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> It's that meme when the bar goes mental <laughs> and the green screen is like second lightsaber. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, um, that, like very great show. I cannot recommend enough. But what I noticed in this uh, similarly was that this is a isolated story. So we are, I should clarify, this entire run was only nine issues. We're just doing the first six. Yeah. I think it might not. But I'm lazy. It might have been 12. But also, because the, the six is an isolated story in itself. It's a six-issue story, and then there's just a couple of stories after that. Yeah. But this is the biggest run. And this encapsulate, in, this encapsulates, in, in, encapsulates, in, encapsulates, this encapsulates the entire, um, like. Would you like to go again? Nah. Uh, leave it in. Yeah, oh, leave it brave. In. I love it. I know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a martyr. I'm proud of you. I'm a hero. But, um. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I'm a hero. Yeah. But this this story is basically what early Clone Wars was like. You'd have right. this, this isolated adventure, but it was always in reference to the larger stuff going on. Um, but this story, especially being about uh, slave traders in Star Wars, I was surprised by how deep into the subject. And like we said earlier, we're not going to get really into slavery, but I'm just going to point out that I like the connection they do between Anakin's past as a previously owned child of slave labor and his reaction to it now and trying to keep his cool in the face of people he despises with good reason this is my main issue with it okay i thought it was a bit ham-fisted i can see that i i can see where you're coming from with that i think the only reason i didn't share that is because i find this is this was like the level of star wars type of storytelling that yeah, i expect yeah no so it's very star warsy and it's very anakin hmm. it's very anakin but the way the for me the way it was dealt with was a bit oh grimble grumble i used to be a slave and there was no... <sighs> to be fair, I find it didn't go that explicit except for at the beginning when Obi-Wan is telling Ahsoka why Anakin is... It happens later on. He, okay. he, has, he, ha- he has a little monologue about it. Is that to the slave uh, queen? No, it's to Obi-Wan. Um, and it, it, ju- it just felt a bit forced and a bit stilted. And it was the one time that I kind of looked at the dialogue and went... It kind of felt expositional. Okay, and I I can completely see where you're coming from with that. Like, I think if they hadn't actually made Anakin voice it, and so they'd left it as a 
kind of quiet background conversation that was happening between Ahsoka and Obi-Wan. That would have made it really believable and really powerful for me. It's the fact that Anakin then, after they've done all the work to set that up, and they've given these great little asides between Ahsoka and Obi-Wan, where Obi-Wan kind of explains it to her, and she kind of acknowledges where Anakin's behaviours are being influenced, and then actually does a lot of work to kind of help accommodate his feelings. They then just ham it all up and Anakin goes, oh, well, actually, I was a slave, grumble, grumble. And and, and obvi- obviously, you know, that experience would be fucking traumatising. Mm. And I can see why the character did that. I just think it would have been more powerful had they not made him voice it. True. Uh, I think the style of the writing is very indicative of what the target audience was, at, especially at the time. Small people? Yeah, I, I think, think smaller, small people. smaller people. I, I, I think in 2008, it, Clone Wars was like a Cartoon Network show. Yeah. And I genuinely think, they, it, despite the actual like passion that went into making it, I don't think they anticipated how successful it would be with all Star Wars fans of all ages. So it was intended for I, That's humans. my suspicion. I don't know that for sure, but I, I, I feel like if it was on Cartoon Network, they were going to be like, this is a new prestige TV. It just happens. I mean, this was back when. If something was animated, it was for kids. Yeah. That's only changed in the past like 10-ish years. Yeah. And this is just before that. So I think this, this show is probably a big one of the proponents of why that changed. Because a lot of people, adults adult star wars fans were going hey have you seen this clone wars tv show it's really good the and people going star wars yeah, yeah. and people going oh it's animated it's for kids and they were like no yeah but just you know it's really good like get into it and i think that i suspect that was a aspect of how it was written yeah but, but i but i don't think that that doesn't invalidate your criticism at all i think that it just gives us not an excuse but just a, a, an explanation for why it is yeah no yeah that and that does make sense mm. to me um and again i thought as a plot, it was pretty good. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed the plot. I didn't necessarily always enjoy Anakin's reactions to the plot, but I enjoyed the plot in general. Yeah, and I think uh, doing doing this kind of subject for what was, at the time, probably marketed to, like, older children, young adults, Yeah, I think they struck that balance well. Uh, yeah. Especially in the fact that there's a scene where a slave servant attempts to murder the slaver queen and, and Anakin then stops it uh, yeah Anakin stops it because he's like we've got a bigger yeah. we're trying to rescue a bunch of people so we have to maintain the cover and then they're like ah sorry right, we'll just take her back into the pits or whatever and the guy's like no no I'm gonna jump off yeah. uh, you know and that for me I was like geez this is quite dark for for this it's you know, a audience. fucking suicide. Exactly. Like it's a legit suicide, isn't it? And it's and it's one because they do like the the fate is of being under slave labor is worse than death. And yeah. they they get that across very quickly, very efficiently with this very harrowing plot point. Did you notice? Did you notice there was a couple of little like classic Star Wars nods and there was one of them that made me a bit sad. What which one was that? The enslaved Ewok yeah yeah feeling the they the force they're feeling the the grief of the enslaved creatures yeah. and then one of them is an ewok yeah and and i saw it and went oh haven't they suffered enough and then i realized they hadn't suffered at all yet and none of that had happened yet i mean i don't well i have i assume not if it was in the original trilogy but uh yeah yeah it's still kind of harrowing side which was kind of used effectively to like this is this is dark we are getting into dark territory well, it's because I th- and i think the use of an ewok there was quite powerful because as somebody who has seen and loves the original trilogy the ewoks 
the Ewoks were their original teddy bear marketing. Yeah. They were they they were like the we're gonna make a character that's cute and fluffy that we can sell stuffed bears off to kids, right? Yeah. That's what the Ewoks are there for. So they're there to tug on your heartstrings. And I think, you know, in, in the original trail, watching them fight and watching them die, there's kind of a nobility in it. Mm. Because they're defending their home planet and the Ewok the Ewoks go hard. Like yeah, they but, uh, when when the when the Ewoks are in that battle, they absolutely send it, mate. But that's not that surprising for anyone paying attention, because if people kind of gloss over the fact that they were going to eat Luke and Leia and <laughs> Han and Dewey, like yeah, they they were, they were all prepared. They had the stew going and everything, and then then Luke lifts C three PO, and they go, "Oh shit, they're magic. Uh, better not eat them." <laughs> yeah, but no, the Ewoks absolutely send it. Yeah, and then to see like a sad little Ewok tied up, you're just like, "Oh, don't do that to an Ewok." And it puts you in the place of the characters. Yeah. That you're seeing what they're seeing and you're experiencing the emotions that they're meant to be experiencing. It's a great plot point, I thought, to have Ahsoka being the one who kind of steps out of line because she yeah. can't help it. And that's just despite the cover. Whereas Anakin, despite all he's feeling and all the ex- heavy exposition that they yeah. do to get across how he's feeling, he doesn't overstep at any point. Do you know what? Now that you say that, thinking about the exposition within the context of the wider story they needed to go heavy-handed to then show you just how much of a stretch it was for him to do what he did and how much restraint he has for the for the greater good yeah it was more restraint than you expect anakin to have wasn't it and then potentially that feeds into later in the original where he darth vader is going like the ends justifying the means for like peace in the galaxy and yeah, that kind of thing. Maybe actually, yeah. So it, like good writing ties all this stuff in together. Yeah, this goes pretty hard, mate. Yeah. <laughs> this is pre- now now that I'm now that I'm thinking now that I'm kind of forming my thoughts on it and I'm slotting my little gripes that I had with it into the wider context of the piece. Mm. Yeah. You, you need to watch Clone Wars and not only just because it's good, but you, you have mentioned before about you like having shows where you can do something else and have a yeah. background, which apparently, according to some TV executives and producers, is becoming its own like thing. Its own apparently TV, studios yeah. are lo- looking for low, gr- low attention required yeah. shows or whatever. Clone Wars is perfect for that because the first couple seasons are that. You They're don't shorts. need to pay attention. Yeah, You can just kind of chop in and out but then because you'll get a little attention you'll like get more and more into it and then by the the last few seasons you'll be like right put everything away like focusing on i think you'll slowly get into that so i would definitely recommend giving that a try i will watch it because you know you've you know you've been talking about the bear a lot to me recently yes bear is awesome i watched the first season when it came out but struggled with it Mm. and so i'm saving season two for myself um, I watched maybe the first two episodes of season two and went, no, I'm going <laughs> to go back and rewatch season one really intently. Get the emotional beats that are built up. And yeah. so I've been rewatching season one of The Bear and it's the first time in maybe a year that I've actually sat down and watched some TV properly mm. and like not been working. Because for the audience, Ryan and I talk about this a lot because Ryan's really into TV. I'm not so into TV. Yep. TV is a tool that I use to keep back brain happy while front brain is doing the job that I get paid to do. And that's just a fact of life. Like I work from home a lot when I'm, when I'm just pounding through admin, I watch a bit of TV. And so I'll have like Rick and Morty or, um, you know, something kind of low impact on in the background while I work. But 
yeah, I definitely, I definitely like the idea that the Clone Wars could be something that I transition. Yeah, it'll be, it'll, it's like getting into a, a hot bath slowly. Mm. It'll be like that, and by the time you're in it, you, you are in the show, like basically. Um, I find for me personally, and this will be a great tangent to put in the episode description. Um, for me, the half watching, half not is YouTube videos because mm. that's that's that level. If it's just someone speaking and you don't need to look at the visuals enough, like that's you know that's kind of that. And incidentally. I'm currently working on a video that's going to be out probably a few weeks before this episode. So it, I'm not promoting the video or anything, yeah. but it's a clip from the show with a bit, it's not short, it's a bit more of a longer, slightly longer length uh, a video, proper video on YouTube. And part of it, it's about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and part of it involved me finding people failing with the weapons, because that's what it's about. And Was that just a nice YouTube rabbit hole? <laughs> so that was fun up until i got to the swords the katanas or, or were the other ones the wakasashi yes and as soon as you put sword fail in youtube turns out their whole thing for not having gore on youtube goes a bit by the wayside when you get to the lesser known videos so yes. i in searching for that and i do not recommend this unless you enjoy this kind of stuff in which case fill your boots um i saw someone trying to slice a watermelon in half with a small sword and lost a finger oh yeah baby and for some reason so i i didn't even click on the video i it, it played <laughs> in the it thumbnail. All play? so it all played in the thumbnail and i was just like where is this going <laughs> just and brutality as soon as i saw the red i thought well that watermelon's a bit oh, oh no god oh and no then, I think because it played that, it almost immediately gave me a recommendation. <laughs> and this was someone who somehow got their hand caught in a uh, water press water saw. Oh no! Yeah, that was pretty bad as well. Those so. things, those yeah, you can absolutely send it with one of those, yes. can't you? So that's all I'm going to leave it as. But Ooh. that was that was part of my afternoon today, and I uh, I'm just recovering somewhat for, for it. the audience. I've seen half of the first cut of this youtube video and it's really do a double plus good yeah. so if it is already out um once Watch you're done again. <laughs> once you're done go find it comic literate on comic literate podcast on youtube uh comic literate on youtube and if you'd also like to just re-listen to a few old episodes there just to you know just for the algorithm that'd be great yeah always um, helps yeah like, like and subscribe and all that um <laughs> so how do we feel about ashoka because i feel ahsoka because i feel like that's why we're here today yeah, I think she is a fantastic character because she really adds to the characters of Obi-Wan and especially Anakin. Yeah, I feel I feel yeah, no, I agree with you. I mm. do. I so this is this is like day one Ahsoka that we're seeing in this comic. So I know where her story goes and everything and how she develops. You might, uh, if you listen to this, if you if you haven't seen Clone Wars or Rebels, which she's in prominently, you might have seen the trailer for the TV show coming out, or you've seen her in The Mandalorian, which I think you've also seen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you saw her as an adult, so you kind of seen the two ends, yeah. and then just a, a lot of stuff that happens in she's badass in the, the Mandalorian. Yes, and you see the Clone Wars really gets into how she becomes that. Yeah, and I think she's a great character for almost examining the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, she is coming in even though she's anakin's padawan she's coming in more of a traditional route yeah. whereas in the in the films we see anakin very unique scenario yeah. and then we see luke which is just completely removed from the original ways and then we kind of see ray for me personally the less said about ray the better yeah but ahsoka is definitely uh the the beginner's eye into the world 
but then how she reacts to it, it then builds into her own story. And this is so interesting because the one thing that as a kid I found super compelling in the Star Wars prequels was the Jedi Order. And I wanted more. Like I 100% wanted to just examine that a bit more closely. And if I'm getting that with Ahsoka, that's pretty dope. Yep. And Clone Wars especially, you also get just um, off like offside adventures with yeah. just random ones. There's one... So I read a couple, I think you did as well, read a couple of issues after this run. Yeah. And it stars two Jedis with some of the best names. Yeah. And one especially. There's a story after this one that features the Jedis, Plo Koon, and one of the greatest character names of all time, Kit Fisto. <laughs> I think that's so Kit great. Fisto. I think that's just an amazing Kit Fisto name. was cool as well. He was cool as well. But yeah, the Ahsoka in this one, I think you are seeing a quite intelligent character navigating this new world. And especially it's not only is it her first appearance, but you see her people. So I don't know if we've mentioned yeah. this or not, but the, the planet that is enslaved and the people that are taken away are her race of people. Yeah. So she's having a bit of a more emotional beat with her people being subjugated and, and whatnot. Do we see any of her people in either of the trails? Uh, maybe in the background. I think like she like the type of alien that she is was yeah. was a background character, and then I maybe Dave Filoni or whoever made the decision went, "Ooh, let's make her this thing that this is already in it." Because I think one of my favorite scenes from the prequels is that scene where Obi Wan I think is getting like super fucked up in that like arena thing. Mm. All the Jedi turn up, and all yeah. of a sudden there's all there's like a sea of lightsabers, and there's Jedi of every different alien race. And they're just going at it. Yeah. And that was like cool as fuck. And but I remember the I remember there being like a blue guy that had her like eerie trunk things. Yeah, I think they I it sounds like an accessory. I think they come in orange or blue. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's like Nate like they're in the same system, but each planet had their own like colours yeah. and stuff. So who who knows how the the race relations of certain alien species goes. But you do get a bit into that in the Clone Wars TV show. Sick. So six. It sounds so I need to just Yeah. Because I've watched bits like it was one of those things that was like on at a friend's house mm. when I was hanging out with them. And so I caught snatches of it but never actually watched all of it in order. Yeah. I should definitely just delve into that, shouldn't I? 100%. And any listeners, like, 100% recommend if you're into Star Wars and you haven't watched Clone Wars, you are missing out. That could be our first episode about something that isn't a comic book. Oh, uh, barely barely literate. Yeah. yeah in the Oh, yeah, for sure. But there's so much you can do about it as well. I think you could do one episode about the last season, or the last couple of episodes of last season. And really? that's, almost, that's like a film, basically. Like, it's a bunch of episodes, oh. so it's like a... A what? great animated film in itself. Like the end of Neon Genesis Evangelicon. Yeah, sure. I Have mean, you seen I Neon Genesis no, Evangelicon? I know very little about it, but. Dude, you need to watch Neon Genesis <laughs> Evangelicon. If it's not coming through on the mic, I am banging <laughs> my fist on the table with every word. Like a ha ha. Neon Genesis Evangelicon is super sick. It's so good. I've heard many good things about oh, it. Oh, mate, it's like, be for me, it's like best in show for that kind of era of anime. Mm yeah no you would love it yeah bit weird oh yeah i mean all the best anime is obviously it's a bit weird but you'd love it yeah if, if if it's got a manga if it's based on a manga we could do that at some point i don't know that it is one second i'm gonna google it we'll find it um in the meantime i will fill some dead air with some of my favorite like lines and individual points that i made awesome. notes on so not big story ones but one thing i noticed was um the seeing yoda's dialogue written down kind of highlights how like ridiculous it is 
Yeah, but it's Yoda, isn't it? I know. And apparently there's a good theory. I, 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 this might have actually been proven, potentially. I'm not sure. But there's a at least a theory that apparently the way, the reason he speaks like that is because he's so old. That's how the old civilization spoke. So he's like right. the only one still alive. And they spoke in that cadence, apparently. Because as people might know or not, or not know, Grogu from Mandalorian, he is a baby that is 50 years old. So yes. that species like lives for a really long time. Yeah. Um, but that's just, I noticed it. It was a bit jarring seeing it written down. Um, Didn't Yoda's character model look sick though? In this or? Yeah. 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 I think that's the, that is a, another Clone Wars thing. Like it's a good like depiction of him. Makes him look old and wise without kind of the weird like puppet look from the original. Is that, that for me was the one massive improvement between the original trilogy and the prequels. Un- is that Yoda looked good in the prequels until he start until the fight with Dooku, and then it just looked like a ball of green just rushing around. Ah, uh, my that's my favorite fight scene in the prequels. I think I enjoyed it as a kid, and then when I went back to, it, I was a bit like, yeah, I can see why you that takes you out a bit. It's it's smart, like in that that's how he would fight, but it, when you're seeing that, it doesn't look as like aesthetically pleasing as like two humanoid shapes like having a duel yeah because he's jumping around you kind of it takes you a bit out of it, like i don't know if he's winning or losing like did you know there's a pretty pervasive fan theory that that fight wasn't meant to be between yoda and dooku okay there's a f- you think it's maybe jar jar binks yeah <laughs> darth jar jar is a very very fun conspiracy theory darth jar jar drunken monkey style fighting mm. backflip yoda would have been oh it would have saved the prequels for me uh, do you know do you know why that conspiracy started no so the thinking was it was in relation people were viewing jar jar in the same way that yoda was introduced so yoda was introduced as a bumbling kind of hick like yeah. swamp character when who, he starts training luke well yeah. before he starts training so before he luke even knows that he is the jedi when he's giggling and running yeah. around in the swamp he thinks he's just an annoying character and then it's revealed like oh no he's a wise jedi master but he's gone a bit loopy from being in the swamp for by himself for decades yeah so the thinking was that jar jar was brought in in the same way but the opposite reveal yeah that he's a sith master but it was like yeah, he's this way. He's a bumbling idiot because he's hiding his true, you know, intentions. Because uh, the rest of them, like the rest of what what are Jar, uh, they're called Gungans. Gungans. Yeah, you see the rest of the Gungans in battle, and they're pretty switched on and pretty ordered, and they, you know, what I mean, they're not all like Jar Jar. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's why I think the theory came about. Can you remember that comic that you worked the circuit with in Norwich back in the day? And they had that bit about the Gungans. Comic me comedian, not com- comic book. Yeah, yeah. No, I was slightly com- confused for a second. The yeah. comedian that you used to do gigs with in yeah. Norwich back in the day. Yeah. And they had that whole bit about a Gungan going to therapy for their PTSD after the battle. I think, did he mean Jar Jar specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mies I- are so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Mies I- are so terrible things in the war. <laughs> now that you're saying it, I, I'm now having PTSD flashbacks to it. So. Do you remember the bit? I vaguely, yeah. Like, you you are reminding me by doing. <laughs> that was a great joke. It, it, I I I've forgotten it, so I don't know how well I appreciate yeah. it in the moment. I mean, in fairness, there's one. I think there's one comedian from that whole thing that sticks out in both of our minds, isn't there? 
Uh, Nelson. Nelson. Nelson Tukumbuk yep. and Virginia the second, man. What a yep. legend. Yep. And it, I think he's still going today. So if you check out his stuff on YouTube or whatever. Or... Well, he did stuff with the Beeb, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Just check out and check, check out Nelson Gumbuk and Virginia. Uh, yeah. Or some variation of that name. I think he changed it a few times. Did, did, was he always using a different name? I think he, since I was gigging with him, I think he, he was experimenting with different stage names. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, some other small notes that were just for fun. Um, the there was one line specifically where Kenobi sounded like Chandler from Friends, <laughs> yeah. which was the. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Anakin, could you be more aggressive? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't say it, I was gonna. I was like, was that a reference or was that just happenstance? Um, the scene where they fight the Kraken in space yeah, was pretty cool. Uh, that was really cool. Jedi's fighting big monsters is like its own little niche thing that I am always here for. Yeah. Uh, they do a weird thing with spelling of R2, where they literally write R2 like A-R-T-O-O. Yeah, I did notice that. And I feel like if you're the letterer, could you not have just put R2? R2. Like most, I think most people would write it that way. I so mean, that you don't like even need choice. the D2. Most people just know R2. R2. Yeah, but, and they, to be fair, they only say R2, but yeah. they write like it in like five letters where it could have been two characters, yeah. just R2. Do you think that just, that was just because it fit the, that adding those extra letters made the speech bubble fit in the panel a bit better. Because that must have been a conscious choice because I imagine that for these, like, not these kind of non-LucasArts content creators, there would have been a style guide. Yeah. That's like, you know, there are certain things that R2 is allowed to do and certain things that certain characters can and can't do and a certain way that they need to look and sound, right? And surely somebody from Lucasfilm would have been like, you need to just use the two characters because that's R2-D2. Like, he is... Mm. And when you say about the speech bubble, I, I, I might be completely naive in this, but I would think that less would be better because more would be worse because fitting it into the panel. Yeah. You would think less would just be easier, just a smaller bubble, you would think. Yeah, well, you, you would, wouldn't you? But mm. I'm just curious because that was that definitely will have been a conscious decision that somebody made. Yeah. I tell you one issue I had, and this oh, is issues of, with issues. This is actually a bit more nitpicky, but I think a lot of people will agree. I did not like the slave outfit that they put Ahsoka in. I know, especially because yeah. I think she's like thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, yeah, I hear it. Yeah, I hear it. And unfortunately, there are some areas of the internet which seem to conveniently forget her age in the worst possible way is there some rule 34 stuff happening i there? mean there's rule 34 of everything unfortunately i know but... but there's certain things that it's more prevalent with i think the more popular a character the more prevalent the Have, the art mate there is some weird pokemon stuff out there mm. oh there for are, sure there yeah. are two pokemon in particular gardevoir and baneri that people just weird man and the, weird and those aren't even sentient creatures no yeah, no, I did have feelings about that. And I feel like... I'm sorry, I've got a cat yeah, on the right. mic with me. Um, I feel like on some level I respect the commitment to the bit, but I just think it was unnecessary. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I would have... I don't think anyone would have complained if like, well, why didn't they put her in the same outfit as the other side? Like, I don't think anyone would have really cared, except yeah. fucking weird people. Um, and, the wrongins. And, and contextually, it wouldn't have mattered because there's this whole conversation that happens about the fact that he's only just captured her and that she hasn't been trained yet. And so it wouldn't be that unusual. And also, he's not a Zygerian. And so he's taken a Zygerian ship, but mm. they take slaves of all different shapes and sizes. There's They're no equal opportunity slavers. Yeah, fucking yeah. 
But there, there's nothing to definitively say that he would have had an outfit like the one the rest of them were using that would have fitted her. Mm. And and where did they get it from? <laughs> I think it, I think it just it wouldn't have raised any questions if they didn't do it. And it raises more questions that they did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this was a point I made in a previous tile where I was like, it's not that the choice the writer or artist has made is is bad or doesn't make sense. It just makes me go, why did you do that? It would have made more sense. It would have been easier to not do it and it wouldn't have taken anything away. And in fact, it's some one less thing that we would have had to sit here and question. Yeah, exactly. Um, One thing I did really like about this is how much it goes into the separatists. And yeah, fuck yeah. They obviously take in a pretty bad position of being pro-slavery, essentially. Um. But what's interesting is the Clone Wars uh, TV show gets a bit more into depth about the politics of the separatist movement and everything. And in that, there's episodes where they they kind of cross the the aisle to these separatist politicians and try and like come to some kind of consensus or agreements. And so they're in, separatist politicians. Yeah, that, so that it's an entire group of planets who are seceding from the the galactic um, republic yeah the republic essentially and in that it paints it more as like a more of a planet's rights kind of issue oh like like states right exactly so i don't know lone star state baby exactly and i don't know if this if that's if that's more realistic in that you've got some areas where the more because it's more like you know coruscant is like the political of the capital of the republic they have like the equivalent of the separatist planets so I Virginia. don't, yeah, essentially. <laughs> so I don't know if it's like when you're there, they're more. Oh, it's about states' rights. But then when you get to the the ground and the nitty gritty, slavery. Yeah, exactly. So, but it's it's interesting that they take kind of that viewpoint in the TV show at parts, and then in this one, it does work for the story. It's like the separatists are pro-slavery. Kind of an extended metaphor for the American Revolution, exactly. War, isn't it? Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I thought about. I it. love all the people who like you know complain about Star Wars being woke and all that bollocks. They're like, why are you trying to inject Star uh, politics into Star Wars? It's like the original trilogy is literally a metaphor for the Vietnam War. Yeah, so <laughs> fucking get out of it. Like, get over it dickhead exactly we were saying before about like hints of anakin and the darth vader yeah thing i think there's a lot of points in, in the clone wars they do it here where anakin's go-to move is a force choke yeah and that's a very obvious like that's a pretty dark move you're doing there mate like you could have just pushed him away like ahsoka does but well like obi-wan and yoda do exactly like, and he's the only one's like no no i'm gonna choke him like uh, you don't have to um but he also uses jedi mind tricks yeah, I love that. Dope. Because you don't really see that from Anakin, do you? No, like, not, so it's, it's unusual, yeah. The only Jedi that you really see do it consistently is Obi-Wan. Kind of Obi-Wan's yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, you see a lot more people in the Clone Wars, but in the films, absolutely. It's it's mainly just Obi-Wan. Qui-Gon can't really do it, can he? Which is Luke so funny. does it a bit in, I think, Empire, when he's yes. like fully trained and he does it a bit more. But again, Luke's Luke's kind of singular in how potent he was as a Jedi with so little training. Because if Anakin was too old to be trained, then Luke was definitely too old. Luke was like a whole ass adult who fancied his sister, man. Yeah, like... unfortunately, yes. <laughs> it gets into a lot of darker tones later on when it gets into like how they keep the Jedi's in line. Yeah, because the Jedi's are powerful enough that so they, if anyone hasn't read it, they they also get enslaved, and it becomes Anakin having to free them by working for the Queen in a way. Yeah. Um, but 
they 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 have to go to some lengths to explain why like obi-wan especially doesn't just bust out yeah and unfortunately it gets really dark because the it becomes a well if you do then other people are gonna suffer and without getting too into it and do you like that was a technique that was used due wayward royal children mm. you know the expression whipping boy uh vaguely but so back in there you had a very wayward prince or duke or earl you would get a peasant kid from the village and you would move them in with the royal and any time the royal misbehaved you would beat the living shit out of their whipping boy yeah that makes sense and so they would eat at their table they would be their friend and then when they misbehaved because you couldn't lay hands on a royal mm. and so when they misbehaved you would beat the shit out of the other kid and they're using that same tactic here. It's like, you're too powerful, really, for us to discipline you. Mm. But what we can do is rely on your better nature to take, to take hold. And there's that moment where he tries to help one of... Uh, what, what, what's Ahsoka's race called? Oh, God. Uh, hang on. The, to- to- the Togruta or the Togruta? So there's that moment where Obi-Wan's trying to help one of the Togruta and she goes, oh, no, don't touch me, don't go near me. Yeah. And I kind of feel like Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan's kind of fatal flaw as a character and maybe one of the reasons that he overlooked so much in Anakin is that he actually quite like, he wants to be liked. I think, well, he wants to help as many people. Yeah, he wants to help people, he wants to be liked. And you can, you can see how for somebody like that, turning him against the people, turning the people that he's trying to save against him is a really powerful tool. Yeah. And yeah, I thought it was really clever because when, uh, same as you, when... I saw Obi-Wan and Ahsoka get taken. I was like, they've got their lightsabers back at this point. And they have the Force. And yeah, they have the Force and they both have lightsabers and they're two highly skilled Jedi. Like, they're going to cut you down. You're going to lose a hand if you fuck with Obi-Wan. Yeah. And yeah, I, th- I think it was, it was dark, but it was necessary for the story. So yeah, that no, it, it, yeah. if you're going to do dark topics like that, that is like the best way when it kind of it's contextually necessary to tell the story and it was clever yes exactly it was it was a clever it was a clever way to plausibly contain obi-wan until the end of the story when he got machina wasn't it it was a plan Uh, but i was gonna say so there is a kind of like oh the backup is here just in time mentality but i don't feel it was a deus ex machina because they were also still dealing with the fact that there were hostages essentially so even though it's like a We've got a bit of good luck because the people we were expecting are here on time, but it wasn't just everything's fine now. It was there were still obstacles to overcome that they had to figure out. Yeah, there was still story to be told, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, no, this, I mean, again, early on, we talked about the fact that the plot moves along very quickly here. Mm. but it never really feels labored no never rushed y- yeah yeah and 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 that that kind of backup arriving i, I didn't roll my eyes at it. i wasn't like Ugh. Mm. like that makes perfect perfect logical consistency and me. also because you had anakin go and ahsoka going from one planet to another to rescue obi-wan so naturally like it cuts in the way where it's like they leave one planet they go to the next and you just have to assume you know headcanon that something happened in between that that and it's not it doesn't suspend this it doesn't break uh, suspension of disbelief because you expect space travel is going to take a little bit of time even just getting on board and off board the ship. and also the fact that they they managed one journey without event you're like that could happen yes plausibly they could have just gotten there exactly and it takes everyone the same amount of time because there's yeah. not a plot point about like space travel speed or anything yeah so yeah, yeah this it, isn't the flash no exactly go fast <laughs> if, only, if only they had a cosmic treadmill. like i don't i don't think they thought of that <laughs> 
Who would use the cosmic treadmill? Anakin, for sure. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Without, without a hes- and Ahsoka and Obi Wan be like, Anakin, I don't think you should use the. I think you should be careful. He's like, Nah, fuck it, way. <laughs> Obi Wan would say, I would advise caution there, Anakin. About, I don't think you should fucking do that, mate. <laughs> that would be the fuck. <laughs> We've found our one swear. <laughs> if you if you could put one swear in this comic, where would you put it? Um, I think it would be. I think it'd be towards the end. Yeah. And it would be the moment where they are like rescuing the hostages and the Flawless, everyone's yeah. turned up and they've gone like, I think they've said to the slavers like, it's over now, you're fucked or something like that. I think this should be a reoccurring bit where in comics where they don't do swears, mm. we work out where we would put one swear. So would we do that still for comics where they put the censored swears? No, no, they're half-assing it. Okay. They, they, they... They're they, having their cake and eating it too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's not cool. But mm. in comics that have enough restraint and good enough writing that they don't need swears, mm. we should decide where we would put the lone swear. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, we, if It's a corner. If we remember, the, we will do that going it's forward. It's the where would the swear go corner. Yeah. We're bringing corners back, <laughs> baby. <laughs> And the, but these are they're not so much corners they're more like subtle within nooks and crannies within the podcast yeah absolutely yeah. it's a jar that you've not moved in a while that you find a fiver under exactly and the fiver just says fuck on it <laughs> it's if like a swear you, jar <laughs> if you were going to put the word fuck on a fiver mm. right and you were going to put i'm really torturing this idea now yeah and you were going to have a speech bubble for it would you put it on the queen or on winston churchill the queen would be funnier for sure <laughs> Because Winston Churchill probably swore all the time anyway. It's a miracle none of his speeches have swears in them. Yeah, yeah, no, it is actually, yeah. Yeah, he was quite... Mm. So, last couple couple small points I wanted to make, assuming you don't have any other grander points to to get into. No, I think think, think, think I've said everything Mm. I want to and need to say on this one. So, my last little points, uh, for one one thing they do, which is a pet peeve of mine with comics, and it will be getting its own video at some point, comics that spoil something on the cover yeah 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 yeah. issue five has um count dooku and ventress in yeah. it and Dooku's- we haven't talked about ventress i didn't know anything about ventress and i was like where the fuck does ventress fit into all this so ventress i think the most interesting thing if people don't know this about her she is a female of the race of uh darth maul's race and they look very different. Yeah, just a little bit. And also, if you go into another great aspect of the Clone Wars, they get into Darth Maul as a character. Yeah. But separately, they get into the females of the race, who yeah. of his race. So the in an interesting, good kind of twist on the male-female stereotype of dynamics, mm. the males are like brutes and like dumb brutes who kind of don't know, like, they're like fighters, essentially. They fight between each other. The females are not only smarter, but they're also like witches who do like magic and stuff. Sick. So they they're like so different. They're one of those races, I think, where it's like the mating is just required to go, but they the the genders don't actually get do along at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, she's she gets a lot of interesting backstory. She's mostly just like a oh no, Ventures is here to try and ruin everything, and then they kind of win out in the end. But she's always interesting as like a bit of a pantomime like you Jedi ah, kind of character, but they really do dick get dastardly. into it. Yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> Dooku is dick dastardly. <laughs> he is, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and spe- that wacky races. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of um, speaking of baddies, uh, I always pop for any appearance of Grievous. I literally, I saw someone, Gre- Grievous. Grievous. Yeah, Grievous is great. Love Grievous. There's, oh, there, was a, there was a Star Wars thing I saw that was like, somebody was like, I did admire General Grievous. 
Yeah, everyone admires General Grievous. He's the best. He's great. Um, where, where, where there was something I was going to say. Uh oh. Yeah, I, I, I need that gif of Nathan Fillion from the TMNT. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. close enough. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's just, just. It was great. Would you recommend it? Highly, highly. Yeah, and, me too. and not only this, but the Clone Wars TV show. Mm. If you haven't seen it, go out of your way. Start it as like a thing that you watch while doing something else. Keep going and it will draw you in. And then by the last season, you will be glued to your screen. I get, if you like Star Wars, I guarantee it. And then after that, do Rebels. That, that set between, uh, that set just before the original trilogy. With a lot of the similar characters. Does it have Han and Chewie in it? No, no. It's it's oh. a get, it's like Clone Wars. It's like its own separate thing. Uh, introduces new Jedis and new other alien characters. But it's, it's uh, Ahsoka returns in it as well as some of the Stormtrooper characters. Very good. So where was Ahsoka during the original trail? You would do see in Clone Wars. So cool. she's, she's introduced after episode two. Yeah. So she's, she's only there in the prequels while episode three is happening. Yeah. But you see what she is, why she's not there for some of it, and what no, else she's doing. I'm in the doing. original troll. Is she? Oh. Is she dead in the original trailer? Is she alive? Is she doing stuff? Well, she's. The, so it's not a spoiler because the Ahsoka TV show is coming out, and that takes place. So that's what she's up to. Yeah, because she's in the Mandalorian. The yeah. Mandalorian is post. Yeah, it's post, post trailer. Trilogy. Yeah. So she, yeah, she she's there. Dope. Yeah. So I think that wraps it up for this episode. We've got all the Star Wars nerd nerdity and. Yeah, fandom out, out of us until the next one. So thank you for listening. Um, if you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at comicliterate at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a review, just stick a review on wherever you get your podcasts. If it's a five star, we might read it out one day. Whatever it says in the body of the text. It's as your long opportunity as it's five stars. to get something funky on the podcast. Exactly. Um, thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful night. Thank you. Goodbye.